Miss USA 2020 is Mississippi. Oh, the crowd is going wild. Congratulations. Take your first walk as Miss USA 2020. I have to assume that as a fake crowd. First of all, who knew there was still a Miss USA? Yeah. The uh, Miss America was always the uh, smart hot girl contest, and the Miss USA was the hot hot girl contest. I, I, I never just knew pure, that. pure, just animal desire contest. Boy, you talk about something that jumped the shark a long time ago. No kidding. By the way, former vice but president. Congratulations, Mississippi. Last in literacy, first in hot chicks. Funny you should mention that. I was listening to a podcast. I have gone so far down the road of John Brown and abolition and the Civil War and that sort of stuff Wow! in, in recent weeks. Wow. Um, I'm just super into it, all based on the Showtime series that got started. But oh, Love that show. Um, I don't that's, know. A, that's up next. I don't us, know I think. how many documentaries I've taken in on John Brown now. The fact that more people don't know his whole story, because it's just it's so interesting on so many levels. It's what we're dealing with right now with Black Lives Matter and everything like that. And it just, you know... Uh, the idea of a crazy, crazy radical who you kind of agree with, so well, accomplishing not... things through violence. Oh yeah, um, yeah. you know you can have all you know lots of people marching and voting and uh, writing letters and trying to get legislation through, but the guy who actually smashes people's heads in moves the needle, and it's just a fact. I don't want it to be a fact. I advocate the other way. Sure, but uh, he moved the needle a lot. I was thinking of this in the day or two after the election. There are a lot of Americans who thought the Trump era is just too crazy. In other words, the violence worked. The burning the cities worked. I'm not happy with this. I'm not advocating it. The argument could be made. Now, certainly there was also a backlash. Look how blanking crazy the left is. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure which moved more votes. But anyway, I was listening to a um, um, a documentary about Mississippi and its role in the uh, in the South and slavery and secession and everything like that. I didn't realize this. The South at the time uh, Lincoln was elected in 1860 was the fourth biggest economy in the world. Wow! Being led by Mississippi, Mississippi was the richest state in the Union by quite a bit. I didn't know that. I don't know why I didn't know that. Nor did I. I would have assumed it was uh, Virginia. Yeah, I would have also. But um, it's it's interesting that Mississippi and, and had uh, over half the population was slaves. Over half of the population. Great Scott. Yeah. Which, you know, you could understand why you would react to John Brown trying to get a slave insurrection going uh, when you live in a state where more than half the population is slave is thinking, I will die a horrible death if this happens. Yes. Um, uh, You know, getting people's attention. But that's a lot of power. The fourth biggest economy in the world was just the South. No wonder they thought they could uh, have their way politically. Mm Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Well, and, and, and then several how far... of the Euro countries uh, said, yeah, we'll, we'll side with you. Or we're at least flirting with it. And now for years, Mississippi has been, you know, most overweight, least educated, uh, you know, heavy. I said overweight. Um, uh, you know, illiteracy, health problems, drug use, all kinds of stuff, you know, at the very tops of the list. A little low on teeth. Uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't mean to make fun. The, the, the percentage of the population, by the way, that had that was a slave owner in Mississippi was tiny. Right, but they were the richest state. So those people, as as today in Washington D.C., wield a lot of power. Yeah, 
slavery was horrible for oh. white people oh, as well. I mean, obviously the slaves were. Uh, yeah, I they, know. They stand on a pedestal uh, far above the rest of us, and and the the legacy of slavery is terrible and all. Uh, but it was just terrible for poor white people. <laughs> it was yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. But um, uh, uh, slavery is so awful. You know, and I knew that. I know that. We sure. know that at every level. But then you hear more examples, more stories. And it's just it's just amazing that it ever existed. And actually, it existed for most of human history. And, and still exists in China. Universally. See, that's, the, that's one of the really vacant parts of the BLM and the uh, critical race theory argument. Is slavery was practically universal. When it was going on in the United States, there are some societies that were making a move away, but everybody was doing it. And there were more slaves in Brazil and and uh, and uh, the Caribbean than there were in the continental U.S. at the time. And so the idea that, well, the, uh, you know, everything that made America exceptional was built on the back of slaves. Well, it didn't happen anywhere else. So, no, no, it's a horror. Right. But you're overreaching like crazy people. All that I brought you out of. Uh... Miss America pageant. Um, coming up next segment, we ought to get to. Uh, did he want to be anonymous on this? The healthcare thing. Does that matter? Uh, uh, since I don't know, I won't say. But yeah, we'll check. Uh, we we figured out because we were asking the question yesterday. So they got this vaccine coming out. Well, there's there's their poll. The polling shows that a lot of people aren't going to take it, and it only works if enough of us take it that we get the whole herd immunity thing going and, and get the virus out of this country. How are they going to make people take it? Well, I think we have the answer to that. Yeah, insidious but uh, clever. And probably effective. Do I have time to do this? I'll try. I was up in the middle of the night highlighting this uh, Wall Street Journal article as my son has the worst insomnia. Poor guy. Oh. I, I don't have it. I just, I can't, it's hard for me to relate. I lay down and go to sleep. That's what I do. End of the day, I lay down and I go to sleep. I sleep till it's morning. Mm. That's the way it works. It's a me. gift. It's a beautiful gift. Yeah. Of course, you're really sleep deprived too. Yep, so that yeah. helps. <laughs> There's a little tip. The economy's struggles will shape Joe Biden's presidency. It's an opinion piece from the Wall Street Journal, but I thought it was darn interesting. Many economists expect the next stages to be difficult. The economy is showing signs of slowing after the initial post-shutdown bounce, and recent history points to grinding recoveries, not quick bounce backs. The pandemic is also driving structural shifts in some industries that could permanently change how Americans spend and how companies do business. We all know that. We've gotten half a bounce, said one Stanford economics professor. The rest of it is probably going to take another two years or longer. That will be deep into Biden's first term as he's dealing with the pandemic at its worst at the beginning. Since 1982, during administrations run by both Democrats and Republicans, it has taken an average of more than 46 months to claw back jobs lost during U.S. recessions. Before the 80s, it took on average less than half as long. But after the 2007-9 downturn, it took more than six years for jobs jobs to return to peak well into President Obama's second term. The jobless rate was 6.9% in September, down from 14.7% in April, but still way above historically low 3.5% rate reached in February. Do you remember when this all started? When the virus hit our shores, we were at 3.5% unemployment in this yep. country. Wage growth this, was the f- fastest it had been in, in generations. Stock market setting records every single day. Mm-hmm. Trump would have walked to the, uh, the, nomina- the, to the presidency. Anyway, employers cut 22 million jobs in the early months of the pandemic and have since added back 12 million, but that still leaves 10 million jobs. In a Wall Street Journal survey of private sector economists in October, more than half said the job market wouldn't return to pre-recession levels until 2023 or later. 
which gets us close to the next presidential election. The federal government ran up a $3.1 trillion budget deficit in the past fiscal year. Remember when uh, Obama had the $1 trillion and we thought, oh my God, a trillion dollars in one year. Yeah. $3.1 trillion in one year. And Republicans are growing wary of adding to it. I'm glad, but I have a little bit of a problem with you only care about spending when it's the other party. That uh, bothers me. States haven't reimposed lockdowns in response to the most recent upsurge in virus cases, but Americans are showing signs of going out less anyway. Apple Inc. mobility data, because it keeps track on your phone of what people are doing and where they're going, show that U.S. car trips are down 9% since the beginning of October, uh, while public transit travel was down 9%, and walking trips are down 7%. What? Google also keeps track of mobility data, showing trips to retail stores and restaurants are dropping in states hit with the rising virus, including Wisconsin, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Montana. That's the idea that the government's not shutting it down, but we're shutting ourselves down as we see the virus growing. People are not taking walks. What's the story with that? Especially uh, if you're working from home and everything. I would think it was that just part of the c- country where it's too cold to walk this time of year? Oh, that could be. Oh, that would be a real freakonomics twisting of a statistic. If we don't have control of the virus, there's a high risk that the economy cannot fix itself, said Austin Goolsby. You remember him from the Obama administration. Um, before the pandemic, Labor Department data showed that workers on average spent roughly a dozen days a year working from home. After the pandemic, they estimate it will be as many as 65 days from home. Quite a bit more. The implications for the economy will be huge and unevenly distributed. For high-skill service workers unburdened of the daily commuting ritual, work from home will be a, a valuable perk. But for baristas, bus drivers, restaurant workers, all kinds of city center businesses, it could be a loss of work and could be devastating. So the recovery is likely to be what would be known as a K-shaped recovery. I had not heard this term. Well-educated and well-off people and some businesses will rebound, while lower-wage workers with fewer credentials and sometimes of businesses especially will suffer, especially those tied to tourism and any sort of public gathering, will bear the long-term scars from the crisis. So we're going to have a a slow K-shaped recovery, according to the Wall Street Journal. So if, if, if Biden is inheriting the worst part of the COVID crisis and a slow recovery, he's not in a good shape for the history books. Yeah, maybe. On the other hand, the, the timing of the, uh, the great news about the vaccine two days after the election or whatever it was, which is a little suspicious. Pfizer's mm. saying, no, it's, we just got the work done. Decent point. Yeah, what's going on with that? But, uh, you know, if that's reasonably successful, and uh, there could be a better bounce back than they're saying. Um, but I don't know. It, this this feels, you know, i got enough life experience. This is one of those I've walked in the door, and it's not clear at all what's going on. And I, I don't really trust any prognosticators at this point. The one uh, gripe I have with that is, yeah, Austin Goolsby, the lefty economist, says the economy can't heal itself. That's a ridiculous thing to say if you're a free market fan. Um, But anyway, we'll have to see. If I'm a downtown restaurant worker, I'm getting trained for new work right now. That that part of it, I think, is pretty predictable. What do you think about a K-shaped economy? You think it's going to be a Q-shaped economy or maybe a P or an R? Maybe a W, like sitting on top of an H. 
I've been working on an, uh, my model for an ampersand. An ampersand shaped room. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. That'll that spin your head. Plays, yeah. It's going to go up, then it's going to twist to the left, then to the right, then loop over itself, and then go back in the right direction. Or is that the treble clef? I always, <laughs> I always get those mixed up. Speaking of the vaccine, how are they going to force you to take it? Well, I think we have the answer. Concerns about college kids, COVID, and Thanksgiving. You saw these scenes at Notre Dame. A student who rushed that field is speaking out from quarantine after his friend tested positive. We're going to tell you what to do right now if your child is heading home. So I was just watching that's from a Good Morning America. I had not seen the actual uh, visual of the fans rushing the field as Notre Dame beat somebody unexpectedly, I guess, um, the football team. But man, that is quite the crowd. Uh, when you're not supposed to have crowds? <laughs> yeah, the, the entire field and out of bounds, the, the entire Trebe- surface of the stadium is covered by students. Yeah. Yelling and shouting and, and breathing moistly on each other. Yeah, and there are some masks, but, uh, you know, there are also a lot of not masks, and they're really close together, and everybody's yelling. It's kind of funny. One blue check mark reporter, <clears throat> that means you're elevated to the status of your Tweets are important. I don't know how you vomit. I don't know how you'd do this because he did this within 24 hours or a couple of days. One tweet. This is all the people. Uh, Biden supporters outside the White House. It's party time outside the White House. He says giant mass of people without masks dancing and partying in the streets. Then the Notre Dame crowd. Not ideal during a worsening pandemic. You don't catch the irony in your own tweets in the same picture with the same sort of people doing the same thing. There are a hundred examples of that, yeah. too. Yeah. Whether it's BLM protests or up with Biden or, or whatever, that's okay. So the um, uh, stock market skyrocketed yesterday on the idea that we got a COVID vaccine coming, and it might be soon, might be later this month, and then for the rest of us in April. And we were asking the question, how are they going to get us to take it? Because only 60% of doctors say they're willing to take it. Only 40% of nurses say they're willing to take it. And uh, there were stats uh, during the summer that around a third of regular Americans said they would be willing to take it. Not going to do any good if we don't take the darn thing. So I wondered how they're going to force us to do that in a free society. Well, apparently the government can make uh, allow carve-outs with your insurance company, some which I didn't know. For instance, sometimes there is a carve-out that if... If you injure yourself in a motorcycle wreck, we're not covering it because that's dangerous, which seems crazy to me since it's a completely legal and reasonable method of transportation. But um, uh, another one would be uh, drunk driving. I didn't know this. You get in a wreck when you're drunk, they don't cover your, sometimes they might not cover your health care costs. I didn't know that. Check your fine print. Yeah, I did not know that. I wouldn't even know where to find my fine print. Boy, you get very many exceptions, and then what's the point? Not the drunk driving so much, but I mean, if you're going to, so if I stay at home and don't do anything, you'll cover me. Right. Okay, fantastic. Love it. Gets back to my homeowner's insurance I was talking about last week. If you don't ever use it, we'll cover you. Um, But with that backdrop, this expert says, I could easily see the federal government carving out an exception for individuals who refuse to take the vaccine. That's been approved by the FDA and is intended to curtail a global pandemic. That exception would be simple. It would not have to exclude you from a from a plan, nor would it elevate your premiums. It would simply provide that any costs you experience for COVID-19 treatment are not covered. That's on you. 
The government would not have to make this an edict. The government would just have to say, in order to curtail the pandemic, this is for public safety, insurers are permitted to exclude coverage for COVID costs. The average cost of hospital care for COVID is between fifty-one and $78,000. Wow. If you knew that if you got COVID, you're going to be on the hook for eighty grand, you might get the shot. That's how they're going to force us and to And that's, do it. just to be clear, that's the stroke of a regulatory pen. Yeah. The uh, the great administrative state would say, okay, insurance companies, this is now legal. You can establish a carve-out to get the pandemic under control. And the insurance companies immediately would. They would amend your plan, which is legal. Yeah, um, the problem I have with that, that sort of thing is uh, I get insurance companies wanting to you know make as much money as they can and everything like that. But the government, which is supposed to answer to me, getting to make this decision when I have no recourse to like disagree with them right uh the administrative state does not answer to you the fourth branch of government is unelected bureaucrats and they could not give a good gd what you or any other other voter thinks about anything right the the the, them carving out various things from your insurance i can't vote them out of office in two years because i don't think they're doing the right thing now theoretically you could vote in politicians who say they'll get control of the fourth branch of government but yeah and, and Trump tried. Actually, Trump did a lot of great stuff in terms of the regulatory state. Yeah, God, that we're going to go so backwards on that. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, really troubled by that. U-turn. That's because a great deal of the government's power is is indirect through, you know, uh, the executive branch. So before you decide not to get the shot, you might want to see what your particular insurance situation is. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty. How is everybody? Good, glad to hear it. Meh. Meh is the answer. Yeah, I saw a friend of mine on Saturday night, ran into him downtown, and I said, uh, he said, how's it going? I said, eh. He said, yeah, you and everybody else. Yeah. I said, yeah, I know, that's what I tell my kids. The year of meh. When my kids say they're unhappy about something, I say, everybody in the world's unhappy. It's the Chinese year of the meh. <laughs> We're always talking about they ought to write a book about this, and somebody probably will. One of the more fascinating political characters um, on the scene today in the last decade or so, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, conservative Democrat. He's like the last one. He's like a unicorn or a dodo bird. Um, and and I'll talk more about why he's so interesting. And and the the path he charts for himself, the course he charts. You don't chart a path; you follow a path. You chart a course. <laughs> anyway, thank um, you for that clarification. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Joe Manchin, moderate uh, Democrat, uh, went on a number of the news shows in the last forty-eight hours, uh, and I think I know why. Oh, I didn't know he went on multiple places. So he was making kind of a media blitz to get this out. Huh? Heard him again this morning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, first we'll play what he said, which is fabulous. Then we will analyze. Uh, but let's start with clip 31, Sean. When they talk about whether it be packing the courts or ending the filibuster, I will not vote to do that. I will not vote to pack the courts, I think, and I will not vote to end the filibuster. This system, the Senate, was so unique body in the world. It was made to work together in a bipartisan way. 
And once you start breaking down those barriers, then you lose every, every reason that we are the institution that we are, the most deliberate body. So I want to lay those fears to rest, that that won't happen because I will not be the 50th Democrat voting to end that uh, filibuster or to basically uh, block, uh, stack the court. And he's making the point, for people who don't get it, the, the, the whole 50-50 Senate, does it go to the Democrats, does it go to the Republicans? It only matters on voting if everybody votes together. And he's saying, I'm not voting with the Democrats on this. Right. Even if we have the majority, I'm not a yes on ending the filibuster pack in the court, etc. Right. And presuming if the uh, Democrats won both of the runoffs in Georgia, it would be 50-50. Kamala Harris would cast the deciding vote. vote and all of the institutions of the country, which, uh, remember, everybody's saying Donald Trump is ruining the institutions of the country. Therefore, if we get power, we're going to tear them down completely. It's an interesting argument. It's as if they're liars. But anyway, uh, Joe Manchin went on to say one more thing that I thought was pretty terrific. 32. And then all the other things you're hearing about, defund the police. I don't know of any of the Democrats in the caucus that are for defunding the police. We're not for that whatsoever. And when they talk about basically uh, Medicare for all, we can't even pay for Medicare for some. doesn't make any sense at all. We've got to fix the Affordable Care Act we have, and I think our Republicans, moderate Republicans, will work with us to now repair what needs to be repaired. So here's what I think is going on. Three-dimensional chess. All chess is three-dimensional, Jack. Four-dimensional chess. Okay, now you got my attention. Um, here's what I think is going on. Joe Manchin believes that stuff, by the way. He is really a pretty moderate guy, um, and he loves the Senate, and and he doesn't want to see the Senate turned into just another House of Representatives. We have to get rid of the House of Representatives. Let's just have 535 reps. We'll do away with the Senate. I mean, if it's a 50-50, it doesn't make a difference. Terrible idea. Terrible. So he believes that. But he's believed that stuff for a long time, and he hasn't breathed a word about it, okay? They had to keep the crazies through the election. Mm. And so they told them, don't you say it am word, because they need the far left to show up and vote. Look, you got to be quiet, and they got to be quiet over there about the COVID vaccine. Those two things we got to keep under wraps. Yeah, Pfizer. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut back on regulations for you. We'll give you a lot of love, but you got to hold back on the COVID vaccine. Anyway, but no, just specifically in terms of mansion. So he had to be quiet until after the election day. And then super double bonus for Chuck Schumer. With those two runoff elections in Georgia, if Manchin can take the filibuster, court packing, state packing, adding a couple of new states, etc., if Manchin can take all those things off Metric the table, system. What else are they going to force down our throats? Horror! <laughs> if Manchin can convince Republican voters, don't worry, I won't let any of that stuff happen. And he, I believe he's sincere. Yeah, I do too. He cuts Republican turnout sure. for those runoff races yeah. in Georgia. That's what I thought he was up to. Because the fear vote is going to be the number one motivator getting people to the polls in Georgia it hadn't in January. A, it hadn't occurred to me the part about, why weren't you saying this a week ago? But I thought, yeah, the reason you're saying this, and I do, I, I agree that, that he means it. But yeah, that's to, uh, that's to calm things down in Georgia and make people think, ah, don't worry about it. You don't need to. Get all your friends together in a bus to go vote. Yeah, I think I'll show up if I don't have anything going on. Yeah, he's trying to, he and the party, the Democrats, are trying to take the urgency out of showing up in January Hmm. for Republicans because they know that's a huge, you know, jolt of electricity to the Republican vote. 
the idea that Chuck freaking Schumer would destroy the Senate, tear down the institutions of the country, bring on Puerto Rico, Washington, D.C., southern Guam, anything he can find anywhere around the globe where there's an American flag flying that would be reliably Democrat. You know what I think Joe Biden could do? Uh, I think he could do a couple of easy things, and he would get a uh, he would be inaugurated on January twentieth with a sixty percent approval rating. Jail Chuck Schumer. What else? <laughs> I think if he names some Republicans to high positions to start with, like cabinet positions, yeah, or yeah. Uh, whatever you know, of uh, a Republican everybody likes his chief of staff or whatever, whatever he does on that. Um, uh, but he does that. And I think the wall street journal mentioned this yesterday. I thought that would be a good thing. The wall street journal said, look, this whole rollout that you heard about on 60 minutes Sunday night for the vaccine, that all happened under the Trump administration, Mm -hmm. this amazing logistical miracle that we're going to pull off here starting in just a couple of weeks was the foundations entirely laid by the Trump foundation, by the Trump administration. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, if Joe Biden would say, while saying we're going to get the, you know, we've got a new, uh, we named new people to try to get the pandemic under control, and we'd like to give credit to the Trump Foundation. Uh, uh, why do I keep saying foundation? The Trump administration, Trump College. Uh, <laughs> Trump University, it's fully accredited. <laughs> I'd like to give uh, full credit to the, the Trump administration for laying the groundwork on Operation Breakneck Speed or whatever the hell it is. Warp Speed. Warp Speed, yeah. And uh, they did a great job with that. Now we're going to take it across the goal line. I think if he would, you know, actually go that far in saying, you know, I'm the president of everybody. Because I think people are so tired of the, you can't even hint that the other guy did a good thing. Right. Or you can't even have breakfast with somebody who's a Republican if you're a Democrat or vice versa. I think if he broke down those walls, I think they're, they're, he'd lose a lot. People on the left would be angry. Jack, Twitter would go crazy. He doesn't care. Of course, care. Twitter woke up crazy. He doesn't know there is a thing called Twitter, and good for him. Um, I think he would get inaugurated with like a 60% approval rating. Twitter is what those loud, loud birds were doing outside his window all the time when he would give speeches. <laughs> I just think that would be a nice thing to do. It would seem so refreshing. We haven't had that in such a long time. Yeah. Of of, of saying it. Trump, the Trump campaign or Trump people did a great job in getting this ready to go. Yeah. Well, that I think that would be a masterstroke. And Joe, uh, Joe Biden. Because they did is the reason. Biden is at least obsessed enough with how history views him. You understand He's history a, when you're old as history. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think the idea of like a team of rivals, him being hailed for bringing the country together, I think that appeals to him in a way that most people can't even understand. He's that kind of guy, which I think is a positive quality. Um, we'll have to see how it plays out, but to the way that was, that would be covered if he did that. Um, and we we may get to this at some point. The, this is so precious. The New York magazine with a long article about the New York times in which they quote the New Yorker. I mean, <laughs> New York's an incredible city, but, uh, they do not lack for self absorption anyway. But they're talking about um, how the New York Times has become radicalized and everything. And this was one of my favorite examples of the way the left is these days. In August 2019, the paper ran a front page headline, Trump urges unity versus racism. That was what he did. I mean, that was a plain statement of what the speech was. Um, 
it caused enough uproar on the left about reputation laundering on the president's behalf. Reputation laundering. So the idea that if the other side does something good and Quit you say... inventing new terms. <laughs> amen to that. The idea that, for instance, if Joe Biden were to say, thank God all this infrastructure is in place. The military is ready to go. The minute the vaccine's ready, it's going to go out across the country with mind-boggling speed. I salute the Trump administration for the work they did. The New York Times will not print that because that would be reputation laundering on the president's behalf. Explain to me what that how how that term means what it means. Well, it's like saying Hitler built a good highway system. People go crazy. It's a reputation laundering. He's got to be evil, only evil, simply evil. I'm an angry little child, and subtlety makes me You are a child. You child. Money laundering is taking money that is dirty money. Criminal money. Criminal money, and making it look legit. Correct. So this reputation laundering would be taking a dirty reputation, bad reputation, and making it look legit. Okay, now I understand. Took me that long to figure it out. So you cannot print the plain truth. If it does not uh, uh, support the revolution. Yeah. Well, that's stupid. That's crazy. That's not stupid. a way to do news. And it's stupid crazy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what shape this stuff takes. I am uh, I'm a little disturbed by Joe Manchin's thing because I think it might be effective politically in getting people not to show up at the polls. But as an American, I'm profoundly grateful that he's come out and said that. And yeah. Take it off the I table. I mean, there will be no Republicans who who vote. Yeah, yeah, I tell you what. Let's just completely shred the Senate as an institution. Right. Um, I'm looking at a map of the United States. Is it a COVID map? No. Is it a how people voted map? No. It is most popular Thanksgiving side dishes at, by state. Yes. Don't try to tell me stuffing is a side dish. It's not? It's a necessity. Necessity. It's, it's a lifeblood. It is. I mean, <laughs> it is a core staple. The turkey wishes it were the stuffing. But mashed potatoes are aside. Yes. Okay. But just again, it's like our discussion of the sports halls of fame yesterday. It needs to be a pyramid. Michael Jordan should not be on the same floor as some reasonably effective point guard of the seventies. Man, there's a lot of states that have mashed potatoes as their number one side dish. The king of the sides, clearly. If if well-made, yeah. Good mashed potatoes are fantastic. I assume that this does treat stuffing, or do you say dressing, as a uh, a side dish? Does that come up? I'm not seeing. I, I believe it does in some of the, uh, I think some of the southern states yeah, have it there. They call, I don't call it dressing, I call it stuffing. But You ever have bad instant uh, mashed potatoes? Those are horrible. Yeah, I've had yeah, average, but yeah. even average mashed potatoes, it's kind of like pizza, even average mashed potatoes are pretty decent. Got really good mashed potatoes? Oh, yeah. oh, my God. Well, and if it's just literally potatoes that have been mashed, throw a little butter and a little salt and pepper on there and go to town. Oh Come on. Gosh. Like Nevada's mashed potatoes for the number one side dish. In California, it's socialism. <laughs> the number one side dish. <laughs> yeah, got me. But we got more of the states and a bunch of other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
So still the biggest news going on is the game changer. That is the announcement that looks like they're going to be rolling out a vaccine here in a couple of weeks. Starting with 90% effectiveness is what they're claiming, which puts it on par with like the measles vaccine. All-timer, Hall of Famer. Yeah. It could really could change this whole thing around. I keep hearing different estimates of when a, a common bloke like myself might get it, but I'll wait and see, I reckon. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal thought April, but uh, okay. but that that's a lot earlier than they were saying, you know, even a couple of months ago. It's as if they spout nonsense. They have no idea what they're well, talking I about. I think they had a pretty significant breakthrough that nobody was really expecting. Mm. Normally, these things take 10 years. It took 10 months. It's miraculous. Yeah. And a lot of it, again, the Wall Street Journal giving credit to the Trump administration, he tore down all kinds of barriers that might not have happened under people that are more, you know, got to follow the government rules and let the bureaucracy do its thing. It's funny, um, I heard it was the worst COVID response of any country on Earth. Yeah. It's funny. So uh, we're looking at the top side dishes per state. I, I have no idea how For they would Thanksgiving? Com- I have no idea how they compile this. The most popular Thanksgiving sides. Polls. I think Joe and I are in agreement that it's uh, stuffing is clearly, I mean, if if you consider stuffing a side dish is by far number one. If I sit down to your table and any of these other things aren't there, I think oh, that's kind of weird. I don't know if I've ever had Thanksgiving that didn't have rolls, but I'd be all right. But no, sure. no stuffing. I'm going to tip the table over. Oh, yeah, I'm picking up the turkey and firing it at you. <laughs> I'm going to kick your cat and I'm out the door. Judy makes it with uh, <laughs> apples and sausage in there. I will put the oh, turkey so on your head, <laughs> bend you over, and spin you around. <laughs> and kick you hard in the ass. <laughs> Send you reeling. <laughs> reeling and turkey headed across the room. The crazy thing about stuffing is it varies so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's 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 almost crazy that it's got one name. Many variations, Jack, as, as we've learned traveling around this beautiful country. Um, so like mashed potatoes are number one in a lot of states and I like mashed potatoes. Oh yeah. They're outstanding. Brown gravy is the number one side dish in Wyoming. It's I could a eat condiment. It's I not could a eat, side I dish. could eat with you people in Wyoming. Just put a big thing of gravy on there. What do you want at the barbecue? Just ketchup. I'll be That's f- all I need. I'll no, you're not f- naming foods. I, I agree with Joe. That, that doesn't huh. qualify. Don't yeah. ca- How about crescent rolls, which is the number one f- side in South Dakota? My Original home state. It's a fine roll, no doubt. Back to Wyoming. We got a great email from Cody in Wyoming yesterday. It was about guns, but he works at this uh, big cowboy bar, like with a stage and a big dance floor. You know, like 300 people are in there dancing and stuff. I, like I worked where every weekend uh, at a place like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Oh, it looked great. Oh, it's fun. It reminded me of like it's a little going ugly. out and doing things. It's it a little ugly at closing time, but yeah, what are you going to do? You don't want uh, any part of that? You leave. Exactly. Um, so rolls a number of different places. The boys are going to fight. You got to let them. Iowa, number one side. Corn. Of course it is. Checks out. Friggin' Iowa. Corn at Thanksgiving? But just... The s- Indians called it maize, Jack. Just barely <laughs> south of there, they differentiate in Kansas, my home state, with cream corn. So I don't know what kind of corn they're talking about in Iowa. I'm not sure I'd ever had cream corn till. I lived in Kansas. Oh, really? And then was uh, very fond. Oh, good cream corn is fantastic. I think I've ever had it. Oh, really? Yeah. God, it's like a dessert. Really? If it's made Delicious. well. Delicious. Sweet and savory. It's yeah. just fabulous. Oh. Yeah. Um, California, biggest state in the nation, mashed potatoes. 
Yeah. Next door in Nevada, mashed potatoes. If oh. it was nutritionally viable, I would try to exist only on mashed potatoes. I could. When I was a single man and poor, I would make instant mashed potatoes mixed with stovetop stuffing and a can of corn. And I would just mix it in a big ball. And I would eat on that for several days. And the total <laughs> cost would be like three bucks. Total cost of three dollars, and I could get several meals out of that. I've always loved that expression. I'd eat on that for for weeks. Uh, you know what's funny though? What strikes me about this conversation is it's as if I don't know. For instance, it's a young couple's wedding night, and they've not known each other, uh, you know, uh, biblically until that moment. And the bride says to the husband, "All right." We can either do some kissing as part of this, or, you know, we can touch each other with our hands, or we can do this. And I'm like, why am I choosing? If any of these things is left out, what the hell happened? If I sit down at the table, I'm going to have some Turk, have some mashed spuds. I'm going to have the stuffing. There got to be some cranberry there. I would appreciate a glass of wine. If any of this is not there, what a top the top thing. Well, how about, though, in New Mexico, Arizona? I'm really good at naming states without knowing the names of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm better than most people. Kudos. Uh, New Mexico uh, and Arizona and Nebraska all have green bean casserole as their number one side. And mm. I uh, I don't know if I've ever had a Thanksgiving. If I have, I probably said, I'm okay, and then passed it along. But Yeah. Yeah. It's been a regular at the Thanksgivings of my family. My family, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana? Indiana, deviled eggs. What? What? (laughs) Armstrong and Getty.